Is it Nathan or Nathaniel? It's Nathan. Really? Mm-hmm. When did you just start using Nate? When my when I was in my early twenties and I wanted to make some big changes in my life. You bet that's when you changed it. Yeah. 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 What's your middle? Now when people call me Nathan, like it's weird to me. It's a foreign mm. concept. Only my I guess my older friends call me Nathan from high school and then my family. And yeah. Otherwise it's just weird. Nate is like more snappy. Like Yeah. I'm all about town. Yeah, I'm all about efficiency. I don't have time for two syllables. (laughs) Get out of my house. (laughs) I can barely handle Nate. (laughs) How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Nate. I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been very busy. It's We're recording early March, we'll say, because we don't know when this will actually get out. But um, right now, I have been preparing for a trip to Utah. Oh. How long are you going to be gone? Well, I'm going to be gone for four days, one week, and then flying back for a last session, one last session. Oh. So, um, yeah, I will be training a bunch of professionals kind of on my approach to behavior and the suggestions that we give. And again, just trying to kind of spread the word. So That's awesome. Who is it yeah. through? What group is it through? Well, I, I'm, I've been invited by the state of Utah, so they're kind of hosting hey. me. Yeah. Good on Utah. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I was going to do like a whole road trip thing, which... I, you know, was planning and then my car died. So oh, no. plans have changed. Cognitive skills were used. Yeah. And now <laughs> yeah. I Process just needed it. things to be simple. So I'm just flying down, going, coming back, and then I'm going to fly back again the next week. So. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. going to be kind of nice to be able to come home in the middle of that, though, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also big recent things happening in FASD. We didn't talk about the new prevalence numbers in the last <gasps> podcast. Oh. Yeah. So the prevalence numbers. The NIH? No. This... Yeah, National Institute of Health. Yeah, yeah, the NIH. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the NIH. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, well, that blew me away. That. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I just know as Dr. May's study because okay. uh, Dr. May is Dr. May is the head researcher. He's done studies like it before. So Dr. May's study showed that potentially with conservative estimates, anywhere between essentially one percent to almost ten percent of people essentially who might have some kind of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So that's higher than autism numbers significantly. And those, again, are conservative estimates. So that generated a lot of publicity in the past few weeks, some controversies. This is a sensitive issue. There's a lot of stigma around it, as you know. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. did you hear anything about it? Yeah, I got someone um, forwarded me that study the day it came out, the morning it came out, and then I read it. And then that night on the nightly news mm. um the national nightly news it was yep. on and i was like no kidding way to go world yeah. yeah so it was really great to start the conversation and i think that that's how we are going to lessen the stigma because we have to take shame away so that everyone gets the services that they need and we all can just be okay with brain differences yeah. for pity's sakes we got to talk right and so when we think that we potentially have you know 10 times the number of people with fetal alcohol than autism and how much the autistic community had to fight to get their services. Yeah. Which, you know, I've heard a lot of parents in the fetal alcohol world kind of grumble about, you know, the autism services, which I understand when you're, when your kid can't get what they need. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, those services for autistic kids have really taken a long time to put in place. So now we have much larger groups of people who are going to be needing some support with invisible disabilities and with systems that 
almost universally do not know anything about FASD. Absolutely. So we have a long way to go. But we're started. Yeah, and I think those numbers will be a good boost. Yeah, absolutely. And this podcast <laughs> to our 300 Maybe, followers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that probably already live with it and know about it. You guys know what we're talking about. <laughs> so we're going to do our defining segment now, which we started a couple podcasts Did you figure ago. out a name for it yet, Nate? No, not yet. Some jazzy we need name? It, we need suggestions from the listeners. Yeah, what should we call the, the, the segment where we define terms? Yeah. So we'll let you guys... Give us some some ideas. We don't. Why don't have you Why don't you theater. just give an example of what one of the ones you wanted that Caitlin I and I? I don't remember. I we said a few of them in the last episode. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So please help us. Oh, defining gravity. That was. Oh one. yeah, but it, it, no, it's not a good one. That doesn't make any sense. It's a musical theater reference. Oh, yeah. which one? Which 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 show? Wicked. Why? But why does it? Did they? Def- and. It's a pun, Jill. It's, <laughs> this joke is not going down. The, okay, so <laughs> so today today we're going to define cognitive skills and cognition, which I need more of. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. how would you describe cognitive skills? I mean, you've been hanging around me for yeah. over a year now. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that bonkers? Um, cognitive skills. I would. I. Well, I'm not exactly the best one to ask of that, but I would say anything that happens in the executive functioning bit mm-hmm. of our brain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Close. Okay. Yeah. Go on. So executive functioning skills are types of cognitive skills. So they're- Wait, they're say that again. Executive functioning skills yeah. are a type of cognitive skills. Oh, I like that. category. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Um, but there are other categories as well. What are the other categories? I think I asked you this even a few weeks ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, but I but clearly it didn't register in my brain. So let's tell me it again. Communication skills, processing, yes. memory, those tend to be associated outside of the executive or there it all kind of works together. It's hard to explain, but oh, right. those are not necessarily executive functioning tasks. So when we so cognition or cognitive skills have to do with cognition, cognition has to do with thinking. So then what is thinking mm-hmm. really? So there are no like solid definitions of all of these terms, but thinking is our ability to take in information, learn it, remember it, manipulate it, apply it in a novel way outside of the box, noticing patterns. So thinking developed as a way for us to be able to handle kind of non-traditional situations, which of course Mm -hmm. is a good thing to be able to do. So then we talk about cognitive skills on the podcast in the sense of behaviors and how kids or people with developmental disabilities, they struggle with certain cognitive skills, but they live in a world that demands those cognitive skills all the time. So we explore how do we support those skills. Okay. Can you give me an example of the most common cognitive skills that people with FASD struggle with? Well, the ones that I kind of, that come to mind for me, Mm -hmm. so this is just kind of based on my experience, are receptive communication, which is a communication skill and a processing skill. So that's our ability to process verbal information, working memory, which is an executive functioning skill has a lot to do with our ability to think abstractly and manipulate information in our brains, um, non-visual or uh, being able to think without any kind of visual there. Mm -hmm. Um, that's usually significantly hindered processing speed is also hindered. Mm -hmm. So people, they, people with FASD just need more time. Mm -hmm. And so, 
those I would say are probably the three major ones if you had to pick three. Yeah. But there is a bunch of others. Pretty much every executive functioning skill, of which there are many, um, is probably going to struggle in some way. Other skills are a little bit more hit and miss. Memory tends to be a little bit more variable, but we do see struggling skills in most of those. Because impulsivity, that's part of one, right? That's part of executive functioning okay. skills because it's technically part of your attention. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Cool. So hopefully... That's, that's what cognitive skills are. They're the tasks that our brains do to help us with thinking. Yeah. So I'm just going to rewind, though. Okay. Well, but, then I, but then, yeah. <laughs> now we're later. Nate, hi. Um, something I always wonder as I'm parenting our oldest little lady is, what's the difference between perseveration and obsession? Well, the answer... <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer is that we there is no solid difference i i thought there probably was and i kind of had this idea in my mind of what it was yeah but then upon researching it i was not able to find any clear definition so in order for us to talk about perseveration which we know people with fasd or a lot of other developmental disabilities struggle with let's define it for ourselves yeah okay so going online i found you know, a bunch of different people's opinion. Perseveration is often used in the autistic community mm-hmm. or people who are, you know, quote unquote, treating autism to describe kind of that quote unquote obsessive interest that autistic people are known to have. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of controversy if you're into autistic advocacy around calling those intense interests obsessive. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of a negative connotation and there mm-hmm. really doesn't have to be negative stuff around that. It's, it's yeah. really complicated. But... What we so we're not talking about an intense interest today, okay? Mm-hmm. So intense interest—that's not what we mean when we say right. perseveration today. Obsession, I think we should classify as frequent thoughts or impulses to do certain things, mm-hmm. and it is not pleasant, mm-hmm. and it has to be accompanied by some kind of action, right? Perseveration is more of, again, for our definition purposes, it's just the difficult and shifting thinking or transitioning quickly, mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of conversation. So it's going to look a lot of times like kiddo just doesn't want to accept the answer, right? Yeah. So they might be asking you the same question over and over again. Yeah. It may not be questions towards you. It could just be something that they think that they need to do. So they're asking you about it over and over again. Yeah. Whereas with obsession, it would be more of that instead of just talking about going outside all the time, can I go outside? It would be, they would be going outside all the time. Yeah. Again, for our purposes. So I want us to think of perseveration more as that thought process that can't be disrupted very easily for whatever reason. In our house, we call it sticky brain. Yeah. And it's when I feel like her brain is like a CD and it gets stuck on that divot and it cannot get out of it until Mm -hmm. I push pause and... We yeah. can we can work through it. And what are some ways that you work through it when it happens? Well, first of all, tell us what does it look like. Is it the with it the her? Question? It's it's yeah. It's, a, it's questions, um, just obsessive questions, and uh, it and it sometimes it really can look like she's trying to uh, not follow the rules or try to get me to change my answer. But the cool part is, it was you gave me this technique of just like giving her an option or telling her that okay, you have two more times to ask me that. And then I need you to to not mm-hmm. ask me that same question over again. And 99% of the time when I do that, when she's stuck, when she has sticky brain, uh, she'll she'll be able to actually get out of it knowing, mm-hmm. knowing that that's happening. And that tells me that her brain really just needed a little bit of a, I needed to take 
you know, push pause on her record player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, help it, her to think out of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think at, at school, um, I uh, was just talking to the school about her, about this behavior, the perseveration, how it's kind of isolating her from her friends and um, and frustrating some of the teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with that, well, okay. Here, can I talk it out really quick? Mm-hmm. They, I think it has to do with, because they were saying that they think it's a control thing where she is doing it to, because of her anxiety of control. And while I, I can vibe with that a little bit, I also am wondering, and what I said to them is that I think she's just trying to buy more processing time mm-hmm. where she's like, cause she's asking these questions that she's repeating it in just different ways of saying it. And it's almost as if she's waiting for it to click in her head before then she's able to. And when I said that, they were like, oh, you know, like they hadn't, hadn't really thought about it before. But is that also what perseveration could be is just allowing or is that a totally different reason that someone would obsess over a thought or a repeat? Well, that's what we're going to talk about is kind of all of these things that quote unquote perseveration can be because we're not always going to know. Yeah. So you might have tried that strategy of just letting her know how many times she has to ask that. Yeah. If it works, that is an indication that it's just she needs to think a little bit better. But perseveration can come from things like anxiety. Mm. So if the root of the perseveration in this moment is anxiety, giving her two times isn't going to do much. Because that right. that's not going to help the anxiety. Right. So that's a factor to think about yeah. as far as with, this, with, with all of these situations. Yeah. Um, it could also be issues with difficulty in planning as well. Just not understanding being expected to move too quickly. They, they might engage in perseveration to try to get a sense of it. Like you're saying to process, yeah. um, which might help them buy more time, quote unquote, but that's not necessarily what they're consciously trying to do. They're right. just from their perspective, they're just trying to understand. Yeah. yeah. Like when she watches a movie, um, there hasn't been a movie that she hasn't watched where she's constantly, um, asking questions throughout the entire bit and then asking it seven different ways. Like if, uh, is that a lion? Yes. That's a lion? Yes. The lion is over there? Yes. The lion's mm-hmm. next to the mouse? Yeah. The lion's right there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do we have lions here? No. And it's this like constant record. And I've always sat there and I'll answer these questions for her because otherwise she'll leave the movie and she won't mm-hmm. she won't want to engage it. And so um, so she and I just sit, sit separately and I answer those questions for her. But it, yeah, it, it gets it gets really sticky when she's trying to process process, especially right. social things like movies and movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does she process that way every time she watches a movie or is it more inconsistent? Um, if it's the first time she's watched it. So every mm-hmm. time she's watched a movie, those questions become less and less. But the very first time she'll like if we go to a movie theater, I, it's especially because it's like she's overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, any any time, no matter what, the first time she watches something or even a show. So um, a couple of things that pop into mind with that. Yeah. One. We'll put a pin in this so you can remind me. Is yeah. I want I want us to think about kind of the experience of watching the movie together. So remind me about that. Okay. You know when I'm done with this other one. Two. So one thing you might do, like if she's going to go to a friend's house and watch a movie, mm-hmm. is maybe have her watch the movie ahead of time if For she sure. hasn't seen it, because yeah. then she can ask all those questions, and then at the friend's house she can enjoy the movie, right? And know <laughs> yeah. I can now be quiet because I don't have to ask these questions. Yeah. Um, of course, alternatives like writing down the questions so you can look it up later that can all hopefully come if that might be a support for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's the other thing? What did I want you to remind me of? Oh, the experience. Yes. So I don't know if you've ever noticed. This is really just a theory of mine. But when you watch 
a show with a kid, Mm -hmm. how they constantly look at you Mm -hmm. to like gauge your response. And you can tell that they want you to laugh at the things they find funny. Yeah. Or when something kind of unfamiliar is going on, they're looking to you for kind of that response. Yeah. Which I struggle with because as soon as I can tell somebody wants me to do something, I want to be oppositional. (laughs) But kids will do that. So I'm wondering also if those questions you know, is her way to share that experience with you or whoever she's sitting with. So she, she not only wants to watch the movie, but she wants to do it with somebody or with you. And that's a kind of an easy conversation to bring up questions about what exactly is going on. Yeah. Because if she's sitting there and she's, if I'm not there and she's watching something for the first time, she'll watch it without asking the questions. So as soon as I come into play, yeah, Nate, I think that absolutely is part of it. So one thing you might do to test that out, if you will, is like ask her right before you guys watch a movie, what if we cuddle while we watch the movie instead of asking questions just to help her brain link that it's okay to like just to help her brain understand that I'm still doing something with mom in this case, cuddling or drawing or whatever activity you want to do while um, watching the movie. But see if that kind of saying we're doing this together is enough to stop the questions. Hmm. And if it is, again, that gives you information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I think on the, on that same theory, when she's watching a movie and she's looking at me for a response, like when I'm having a conversation with my husband or with a teacher, um, how she pays so close attention to body language when people are having a conversation. So I'm wondering if that also is, if she's not only trying to have an experience with me, but maybe even more so she's trying to understand how I react. Mm-hmm. If I'm reacting similar to what, how she's reacting when she's watching right. that show. Definitely. Yeah. And that's a ton of work. Yeah. It's a bunch of social cues that are not clear. Yeah. That again, you know, you and I growing up mostly figured out internally. We, yeah. f- we did it on our own. We didn't need somebody to, to sit down and explain everything. Yeah. Um, but some people need, you know, either need more time or they need things to be more explicit like that. Yeah. And she definitely does in general. So that makes a total, when it comes to like social cues like that, I encourage people to practice them as families, you know, how do we, how we can't tell somebody, you know, if your friends give you a funny look, that means that they don't want you to talk anymore about whatever it is you're talking about. We have to actually physically demonstrate and practice at home and you can make a game out of it of what does this mean and what should you do? And, um, how can you advocate for yourself in this scenario? The last thing I want to bring up is just the potential when a kid is saying the same thing over and over and over again, that is not necessarily, it could be perseveration, but sometimes it's not. So when it seems to be random, it might be something like echolalia, which we've brought up a few times on the podcast and we'll link to a really good video that describes it uh, in the show notes. But that is essentially related to sensory. So it could be that they're saying it over and over again to calm their sensory system if they're getting overstimulated or as a show of happiness or just because it feels good. There are these auditory kind of statements that... Like what? Give an example. Well, I mean, I've worked with many clients. You usually find it more significantly with autistic clients. So um, they might just say the same phrase over and over again, and it appears to be random. And so there could be sensory things going on here. Could also be communication things going on when we're talking about autism. With my clients who fall into the FASD world, they just might make noises, and I go. 
<laughs> like I mean, literally those kind of noises, like mm-hmm. when they're in their room by themselves. And those, in my opinion, are stems. They're doing it to actually mm-hmm. help regulate their system. Mm-hmm. So then when we tell them not to do it, we're taking yeah. away a tool from yeah. them. So we want to avoid doing it if we think that there's a sensory thing there. Or yeah. at the very least, work with them on you know coming up with a sensory diet. So if it's not appropriate at that time to make those noises, yeah. say at the movie theater, that they have something else that they can do for that input. Yeah. Totally. I had one client who said LMNOP a lot. Oh. LMNOP. Yeah. Hi. Hi, guys. Um, The Patreon page. This is legit such a rad site because it really is a way for people to express value that they see in a product that normally and what used to be not monetarily valued very easily. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Nate set this up and the reason it's so important is that it allows accessible, digestible information for families that are overwhelmed, families that feel alone and isolated. And by sharing what we know and the knowledge that Nate has studied for all these years, it, um, by sharing all that information, it really is opening up a whole new world for families who don't have access, whether it's for financial reasons or just geographical reasons. Um, yeah. So we really encourage you to just go to the Patreon site, even for just a dollar a month. That's like... It's $2, a th- $2 a month is the lowest one. Oh, d- it's still $2 a month. For yeah. $2 a month, that's nothing. That's, you know, like half of the latte I have a week. So it would just mean the world to... Um, the other families out there that are really relying on this information. And so like, as Jill said, we don't get paid for the podcast. Right. We don't get paid for the videos. Yeah. Um, And so by having more Patreon followers, we'll be able to make more content, especially the videos that people really like. So our goal is to continue to keep the podcast free, to continue to keep the YouTube videos free um, but what we will provide for those who give us $5 a month or more are some extra pieces of content. So me and Jill will do one and we'll probably also have, you know, additional webinars and trainings as well for people who mm-hmm. are supporting us. And it really is supporting because yeah. a lot of people have told me, you know, I believe in what you do. Nobody else, as far as I know, has been providing these services free of charge. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't take necessarily the same approach that we take. So mm-hmm. I really want us to continue to promote that, especially with fetal alcohol yeah. now taking more of a national uh, stage and people's attention. Right. And we're yeah. not going to have very long. So um, we have a lot of really good YouTube series planned um, over the next year and we need people's support to do it. Absolutely. The project that we're planning right now is a series of short five minute videos that it's, it's essentially kind of like what you need to know for different occupations. So mm-hmm. there's going to be one for law enforcement that you as a parent can send to, you know, an officer who recently made contact with you or when you move into a new neighborhood and you know that they need to be familiar with your kid, you can yes. give them that video yes. and that's going to give them not only helpful information about your kid, yeah. but helpful information about a bunch of other so kids many out other. there. Yeah. Right? Like we said, 10% of the population. Potentially, right ten, yeah. Potentially yeah. up to 10%. And we're going to have it for law enforcement, for attorneys, for teachers, for para, para or sorry, mm-hmm. for therapists, for assistants in schools. We're going to try to get very specific with how FASD impacts the professional or the parent in all of these different contexts, but also so quick bad. and digestible. Yes. And that takes time and that takes money. So yeah. we hope to have some support from you guys. Yes. It'd be magical. Yeah. And if you can't give money every month, 
the best way then you can help us is by sharing our content when new episodes come out if something spoke to you you know pulling out a quote sharing it on your facebook page yeah um, we have a twitter account as well just share our stuff that's the, the that's the other thing that's really important or yes also work with your local organizations to have me do a training. So sometimes I do yeah. trainings or support groups. I do it, come in by Skype or by phone or even go down. I'm going to Utah now. So yeah, yeah, a lot of exciting things in the future. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. And I think also really quickly, lastly, I promise, but I really truly believe that by sharing the content like Nate said and giving us that platform to really celebrate our children and find practical mm-hmm. ways to connect to our kids and help them grow and become the best little humans they can be, we are giving our kids a different world. We're giving them a world that's going to be more accepting, more gentle, more kind, more aware. Yeah. And that is the biggest thing here is that we are celebrating these kids. Well, Jill, thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you guys next time. Yes. Thanks, guys. Dun 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 d